can give that when we think about who you are, your holiness, your righteousness, your love for us, your forgiveness, mercy, and grace, we are just, uh, we're speechless. We simply have to sit or stand in awe of who you are. Thank you for reminding us through this gospel message and song that we have just heard of how uh, wonderful you are. And and turn our attention as we open up your word to, to see what's been written about the man, Jesus Christ, that today we would be challenged to become more like him. And if there's one here today who's never placed their faith in him, that today would be the day their life is changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Take your Bible and open with me to the book of First Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6, and I'm going to speak to you on the subject, the man, and I think that'll make more sense as we move through our time together. Uh, just as, uh, you know, I've heard of, of great you know, musical renditions, and, and uh, I've heard of people, you know, they'll, they'll sometimes in, in less than churchy places when there's a really good uh, person on stage, they'll like, you know, throw flowers or whatever. Well, while the choir was singing, someone threw a wedding ring, apparently, uh, and, it, and it ran down the aisle here. I don't know if, if I don't know if we need to have a counseling session, uh, <laughs> if, if that was uh, taken off during that time, or I don't know if you thought, I've already got one, so I'm taken, so I'm sorry, uh, if that was, it's a man's ring, so I hope it wasn't for me, uh, but if for some reason <laughs> your husband's you're looking at your hand and going, oh no, I've lost my ring, it's not, I will have it after service, and for the right price, you can get it back. Project Reach, baby, Project Reach. <laughs> Leading up to Easter, we've been focusing on the cross, and we spent last Sunday focusing on that. We're going to focus on that today, and we'll focus on that again next week as we come up to that Easter Sunday celebration. I hope that you have invited someone to come to church with you and to sit with you on that Easter Sunday. And I hope that when you leave today, you'll pick up a couple of Easter invite cards, both to our Easter Sunday service and to the Easter outreach events we're having the day before Easter in Baghdad at the Millsite Park and also here at First Baptist on our property. But as we lead up to that Easter Sunday, we've been focusing upon uh, the cross and and thinking about the question of what did Jesus accomplish as he died on the cross. And, and the word that theologians use to describe what Jesus accomplished is a word called atonement. A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. -E -E atonement. And the, the, the way that they taught us in seminary to remember the basic idea of atonement is that atonement means that you are at one atone. You're at one with God. You see, we were created, man was created to be at one with God, but sin messed that plan up. Sin messed our hearts up, and sin made it to where we were no longer at one with God. Sin causes us to no longer be in, in fellowship or relationship with God. We are, in fact, estranged from God. We need something, or better, 
stated, we need someone to enter the narrative who will fix this estrangement, who will fix this relationship that we have messed up. Enter the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, to have a man hang on the cross was not a big deal. It was not a, such a, uh, an extraordinary thing in the time in which Jesus lived. There were many people who were crucified. There were many people who were sentenced to death, both men and occasionally women, who were sentenced to death to die on a cross. So the fact that a man was on the cross is not that extraordinary. But we're not just talking about a man who was on the cross. We're talking about the man who died upon the cross. Our focus this morning is on that man, on the man, on the only person who could provide what we needed to make us at one with God. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Very simply this morning, I want from this text to show you three things that this man, the man Jesus, accomplished on the cross. First is this, the death of Jesus on the cross provides reconciliation. Provides reconciliation. For this relationship that we had with God became ruined because of our sin. Therefore, we need someone to mediate that relationship and that rebellion. We need someone who can reconcile that relationship. That's the role of a mediator. A mediator is a middleman that comes between two parties to try to reconcile the differences. Our text shows us very plainly that Jesus Christ, Paul said, he is the one mediator between the two parties, God and man. There are two people at odds with each other because of sin. That is God in heaven and you and I on earth. This mediator's role for this man is to come between these two parties, uh, between us and God, to work out some kind of deal, to come to some kind of resolution and reconciliation. Let me share with you something that's foundational for you to know, believe, understand, and that's this. The problem in the relationship between us and God isn't God. You hear me? The problem in the relationship between us and God isn't God. He's not the problem. He's not the one who rebelled. 
It's you and I who rebel. He's not the one who embraced sin. It's you and I who embrace sin. He's not the one who is unholy and unrighteous. It's you and I who are unholy, unrighteous sinners. The problem between us and God isn't God. It's us. God owes us nothing. He's not the offender. God is the offended. He's the one we have offended by our sin. Sin I've heard best described as cosmic treason against God, that God has done everything for us, that God has taken care of us, that God has provided for us, and yet we still choose our way instead of His. We still choose to go the route we want to go instead of the way He has directed us to go. However, God still wants to have a relationship with us. So we've got that's kind of good news, bad news. The good news is that God wants to have a relationship with us. The bad news is that we have broken the the chain of communication. We've broken the ability to have that relationship because of our sin. So we need a mediator to bring us a resolution. You say, "Well, well, I'll be the mediator. Wrong answer. Because you see, The mediator in an estranged relationship has to represent both sides accurately and fairly. So this mediator would need to, in one sense, be like us, but in another sense, he would need to be unlike us and be like God. Only one man is able to do this. And I bet that you can guess his name. What is his name? Jesus. This is why he is not a man. This is why he is the man. He's the only one who is able to be this mediator. And so what Jesus does is that God in Jesus comes down, takes on human flesh, and he becomes a person, Jesus Christ. So that by being both God and man, Christ is the perfect mediator between God and people. He fairly represents both sides. That's why Paul said... There is one mediator between God the Father and people, you and I, on this earth, the man, Jesus Christ. And so understand that that the author of Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews 9.15. Therefore, he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant. Anytime you see the word covenant in the Bible, it speaks of a relationship between two parties. And so the author of Hebrews tells us, reinforces what Paul is saying in 1 Timothy, that Jesus is the mediator of this new relationship we can have with God. God wants a relationship with you, but for that to happen, there needs to be a mediator who will deal with the life and the offense that we have lived and will work out a resolution between us and God. And that one person, that one man is Jesus. The man, Jesus Christ, the man speaks to his humanity. 
Christ Jesus speaks to his deity. Here's what this means. There is only one mediator. I know this is not popular preaching because we want to be all exclusive, but I have never not one day in my life been worried about winning a preacher contest. There is one mediator. There is one way to have a relationship with God. You need Jesus to be your mediator if the relationship is going to be reconciled. When we look at the man, we see that Jesus, his death on the cross, provides reconciliation. Second, the death of Jesus on the cross provides redemption. It gives us reconciliation, but it also provides redemption. The the concept of redemption is is multifaceted, and and maybe the the best way to understand the meaning is to to go back to where it's most clearly seen back in in the book of Exodus. You remember in the book of Exodus, the people of God are in slavery to Pharaoh, the evil king, the evil ruler, and this Pharaoh always abused them. He always mistreated them. He wouldn't allow them to worship God. And through a series of plagues, watch this, through a series of plagues, God redeemed his people. He tore them loose from Pharaoh's grip, and he rescued them from Pharaoh's destructive power. Remember when he got to the Red Sea, he parted that Red Sea, and they crossed on the dry land, and they were able to eventually be brought to a land of promise where they were free to worship God again. That exodus was there for a purpose. It was there to show us, to point us toward Jesus, toward the man, to show us what Jesus would do. You see, to be redeemed means to be liberated. It means to be freed. It means to be rescued from bondage or slavery to a person or a thing. Because we are sinners, we are enslaved to sin. Let me ask you this to prove my point. And the answer is going to be yes, okay? If you say no, then you've just proven that the answer is yes. Have you ever known that doing something, saying something, or thinking something was wrong, but you did it anyway. Whoop, a lot of, a lot of liars in First Baptist Milton this morning. Yep. You knew ahead of time that it was wrong to do, but you went ahead, and what's that mean? That means we're enslaved to sin. I mean, sin has a control on us, and we need someone to redeem us. We need someone to get us out of that sin. We need someone who will loosen the power and the grip of sin over us. Redemption is related to Jesus, to the man, just as the people in Exodus were delivered from slavery and redeemed. So Jesus Christ delivers us from our slavery to sin, so that if we're a slave to sin, If you belong to Jesus and you're still a slave to sin, it's because you want to be. Because when Jesus redeems us, he frees us from the power of the bondage of that sin. Paul would put it this way to the church at Galatia. He said in Galatians chapter 4, 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, to rescue, to loosen us from the power of that law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The question becomes, how does Jesus redeem us? I know that, that uh, we just talked about how we can't really reconcile, we can't mediate the relationship. You also can't redeem the relationship. You can't redeem that which is broken cannot fix something because it is broken. So how does Jesus redeem us? Jesus Christ redeems us by coming to earth for us. He redeems us by living a perfect life for us because we cannot. Has anyone discovered that? You've tried it, but you cannot live. I can't live a perfect day. I can't get a perfect hour down, much less a perfect life. So Jesus comes and he lives that life for us and then he dies for us because the cost of our sin is death and when we trust that his work on the cross is sufficient for us he forgives us and he redeems us by giving us a brand new life not just a different life a brand new life Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 says, or verse 7 says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood. Jesus redeems us by his death. And he gives himself away freely, not because he's cheap, but because he's priceless. We could never afford his love, and we'll see more of that in just a second. We could never afford his love, so he gives it to us freely. We call it grace. God gives himself to us in Jesus. You see, we experience redemption by trusting in Jesus, not ourselves or what we've done. By trusting in his life, not my own. By trusting in his death, not mine. By trusting in his resurrection so that I will have my own. On the cross, this man, the man, provided reconciliation. And he provided redemption. But number three, the death of Jesus on the cross provides a ransom. It provides a ransom. Here, watch the movie Taken. A movie about a guy whose girl, his daughter is taken, hence the name. I know Hollywood, good on that, right? The only thing is that they now look like four taken movies like this dude stinks at keeping up with people. <laughs> so everybody keeps getting taken. And they make him pay a ransom each time. A ransom means that there is a debt that has occurred and before freedom can take place, that debt must be paid. Notice what our text reminds us of, not just reconciliation and redemption, but it reminds us of ransom because Paul tells us in that text that Jesus Christ, in verse 6, gave himself as a ransom for all. See, the wages of sin is death. You and I are going to die one day. And the reason we're going to die physically is because we're sinners. But it's not just physical death that sin causes, it's spiritual death. You see, some folks are going to die twice. They're going to die physically, and they're going to die spiritually. To die spiritually is to be separated from God. 
the wages of sin is certainly physical death, but the cost of sin is also spiritual death. And we now owe a debt to God because of our sin, and we cannot pay that debt. I want you to understand, it is impossible to pay your own ransom. I'm not talking about financial. Now, when we talk financial issues, financial debt, we got a good class for that, by the way, financial debt on Wednesdays at 530. But we're talking about spiritual debt that we are in to God. You can't pay that. In fact, the book of Psalms says this, Psalm 49, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life for the ransom of their life is costly. The ransom can never suffice. Listen, think about this. I'm 43 years old. I know some of y'all got socks older than I am. You're probably wearing some right now. I'm 43 years old. That means I have 43 years of sin under my belt. I'm good at it. <laughs> For 43 years, I have been a sinner. I owe a big debt to God because of my sin. And the words I've said and the thoughts that I've thought and the things that I have done. Now, hypothetically, hypothetically, if I decided today I'll never sin again, hypothetically, not one bad thought, not one unkind word, not one bad deed, this is hypothetical. I'm going to think a bad thought when I see some of y'all nodding off before I get done preaching, okay? This is hypothetical. Hypothetically, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life, and I will never do anything that I'm not supposed to do for the rest of my life. Even if I never sin again, I still have 43 years of debt to pay. Even if I were to live a perfect life from this point forward, that doesn't pay off the debt I already have. That just keeps me from adding more debt to what I already have. You follow me? So I'm already indebted to God. There is absolutely no way I can pay my debt. We need someone to pay the debt for us. What a prime time for someone named Jesus to step into the story. So Jesus steps into the story, and according to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that even the Son of Man... Even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, a ransom to pay the price to God, the ransom for many. The price of my sin is the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. It cost God becoming a man, living a perfect life in my place, dying a cruel death, and using his power to defeat hell, death, and the grave. That was the cost of my sin. Jesus gave his life. The man offered his life, and that pays my debt. His blood, his death, his suffering pays the price for my sin, my rebellion, my disobedience. And what makes me marvel at this all the more is that no one forced him to do it. In fact, Jesus himself said in John's gospel, John chapter 10, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. 
I'm going to lay my life down of my own accord. Watch this. On the cross, Jesus prays. Father, forgive them. As my reconciler, as my redeemer, as my ransom, Jesus answered his own prayer. Father, forgive them. He answered his own prayer, providing a way for my debt of my sin to be paid. Jesus alone did all three jobs. He did all the work of the reconciler. He did all the work of the redeemer. He did all the work of the ransom. So all I have to do is trust in him. There's no more work left for me to do. That's why it's by grace that we're saved through faith. That's why my little deeds that I think I do that are good to get me out of jail in God's economy, that's why those deeds are nothing. Because my price, my penalty has already been paid. You see, Jesus, when he forgives our debt, he cleanses us from our sin. It doesn't mean that we'll never sin again. But those sins are covered as well. You see, Jesus paid all my debt, past, present, and future. Now, that doesn't mean that we live in the future just sinning because our sin has been paid. But it does mean that we live a new life that honors God And when we fail, which we will, those sins are covered and that debt is paid because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. I simply this morning want to challenge you to do something. I don't care if you've been coming to church for a day or a hundred years. I want to encourage you to just be honest with yourself today. And to be honest with God. I don't know if you've caught my emphasis in every aspect of Jesus being the reconciler and the redeemer and the ransom is that he is the man who does all of that, not us. You can't earn it. You can't work your way toward it. It's a matter of trusting Jesus. He is the only way I want to challenge you to be honest with God today, to acknowledge your sin, to acknowledge your debt to God, to acknowledge that you cannot pay it back, to admit to God today, Lord, I need you to be the reconciler, to reconcile this relationship with God. God, I need Jesus to be my redeemer to free me from the penalty of sin. I need Jesus to be my ransom, to pay that debt that I owe. If you will give, oh, listen to me, if you will give your sin to Jesus this morning, he will give you salvation. Martin Luther, one of the famous dead guys, one of the early reformers. He called it the great exchange. 
that we give God our sin and he exchanges it with his righteousness. Say, Pastor, it doesn't sound very fair to God. It's not. That's why he's God and we're not. That's why we sing that it's amazing grace, not mediocre grace. It's amazing because it goes beyond our faults. If there's never been a time in your life when you've given your sin and your life to Jesus, would you do that today? And it's very simple to do that. Just say, I'm, I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, as I'm praying, would you simply pray to God and just confess your sin to God, ask Him to be your Lord and Savior, commit your trust into what He's done for you. As best you know how, admit your sin, confess it, and believe in the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you have received reconciliation, you've received redemption, you have applied the ransom to your life. Man, it's time to start living in it. It's time for some of us to start living in that redemption, to start living in that freedom that's found in the relationship with Jesus, and to realize that if you did nothing to earn your relationship with Jesus, you're not going to do anything to throw it away or even to maintain it. He's in charge of that. Rest in his grace. Man, rest in the grace and mercy. Do you know how tiring it is to always think that you've got to keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing? Look, if you're in Jesus today, if the Bible's true, if you're in Jesus today, there is there, therefore now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. So I want you to walk out of here today leaving the condemnation behind. Jesus has paid it all. There's nothing left for you to pay. Rest in his grace. Walk in his grace. Live in his grace. And watch what God will do through you. Would you bow your head right where you are? As your head is bowed, your eyes closed, in just a second, I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. This altar is going to be open. If there is a question you need to ask about what it means to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you come make your way down and say, Pastor, I've got a question. Well, I'll get you to someone right here this morning who will take you off to a quiet place, and they'll talk through those questions. Maybe you're about to make that decision right now, and you're ready to pray to receive Christ. When I pray, you're going to pray to receive Christ. And if that's what you do, we want to celebrate that with you. The Bible tells us that the angels in heaven celebrate over one sinner who repents. And it's not fair for, for the angels to get to do it and us not to. We'd love to rejoice and celebrate in the new life that you've received this morning. Or maybe you've decided today fellow Christian, that you are done living under condemnation. Maybe you have come to realize that the man has done it all. He's reconciled you, redeemed you, he's ransomed you, and you need now to rest and live in his grace. Whatever God is calling you to do, this altar is open for your prayers. You can pray right where you are. You simply say yes whatever God's asking you to do in your heart this morning. Jesus, how I thank you that you did for me what I could never do for myself. 
that you lived a perfect life that I will never be able to live. You died a death for my sin. There was nothing special about what I did as a nine-year-old kid except to bow my heart before you many years ago and ask you to be my Savior. Oh, I've failed you many times since then, but you've never failed me. And not once have I stood under condemnation since that day. But sometimes I forget that. So would you help me and would you help all of us here today who have a relationship with you to walk as if we are not condemned because we're not. And I pray if there's one in this room who's never asked you to be the Lord and Savior that right now at this moment as best they know how they're crying out to you for that. Whatever you're calling us to do, Father, may we simply say yes in Jesus' name.